Hey listeners, CEO coach Liam Krismer here. Welcome. This is the Masterclass edition of the CEO Matters podcast. This is where we take a deeper, a more curated dive into a topic or an issue you need to know more about. Sometimes an interview, sometimes a conversation. Other times, I simply go deep into the weeds on a CEO matter that I think is important. So, let's get into this episode of CEO Matters, the Masterclass Edition. Welcome listeners, this is CEO Coach Liam Krismer, and I am so glad you're back to listen to another episode. This is a Masterclass episode, and it's really epic, and it's epic because we're actually doing an interview. And when I think about it, this probably should have been the very first episode that we did because I'm actually talking to somebody else. And um, if, if you listen to my podcast, you'll know that other people are far more interesting than I am. I am delighted to introduce to you um, what, what a person who has become a friend of mine and a mentor of mine. His name is Braden Ricketts with Amplify You. Say hello, Braden. Hello, Liam. I am excited and honored to be here with you. Um, you did say that your guests are more interesting than you, but actually I'm here today to turn the spotlight back around on you so that we can learn a little bit more about why CEO Matters has such an important place in the world today. So thank you for inviting me. You're, you're welcome. Yeah, we, we really are going to get into why CEO Matters matters. And uh, so, so folks, what's going to happen here is rather than me as host interview Braden, he's the host and he's going to interview me. And the purpose is to give you a flavor for, for uh, why I'm doing this podcast, uh, why I'm passionate about it, why I'm doing it, and uh, uh, why I think you should listen, what I hope you'll get out of uh, uh, this and certainly future uh, episodes to come. So here we go. Thank you, Braden. <laughs> no, again, oh, thank and, you. And, 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 and I must mention, in, in full disclosure, uh, Braden Ricketts uh, is part of Amplify You, and they are the wonderful people at this company called Amplify You, one word, Amplify You, that produce my podcast. They have held my hand now for going on ooh, five months at least uh, and helped me get from concept to uh, actual production. Um, they encourage me to just do it, you know. No matter no matter what you do, you're going to hate it. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna know that it can be better uh, uh, in the future. Seth Godin, the great author um, uh, and blogger, Seth Godin says, "Just ship it. Uh, it doesn't matter. Some people will like it. Some people will hate it. Just get it out there." Stephen Pressfield says, "It doesn't matter. Nobody, uh, in his case with authors, he says nobody wants to read your stuff." He doesn't say that, but nobody wants to read your stuff. So, uh, so we're getting practice and thank you, Braden, and let's go. <laughs> so Liam, I'm pretty excited because as you mentioned, that five month journey to get your show launched was plenty of opportunities for me to ask those questions. The, the questions I had about what is CEO matters and what brought you to this idea that the world needs a show about wellness for CEOs. Um, and your answers have always been absolutely on point, authentic and from the heart. You have a passion and you have an articulate way of explaining it. And so being here to ask you these questions, to let you showcase that brilliance is my pleasure. So I thought we'd start off uh, with a real easy one. Hey, why don't you tell us or 
How about you give us some background and uh, why you decided to launch a new venture when, uh, you know, some people in your position may have retired and ventured off to the sunset? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I am 66 as we record this. And this is a time when, um, oh, many years ago, when you were 66, boy, you were, you were, uh, you were done. You were ready to be put out to pasture. And uh, times change, and um, uh, and people change. And while I am 66, I feel that I'm a young 66. And it occurs to me that, and I really learned this from uh, Chip Conley at the Modern Elder Academy, that in the last hundred years we have expanded our increased our lifespan by 30 years and that 30 years shows up right smack dab in the middle of life so like it or not for many of us who by the grace of god are are uh, are or will be blessed to live a long life we're going to be here for a while and um so i have the opportunity to combine my experience my education my passion to really make as steve jobs would have said and did say, uh, make my dent in the universe. And um, so uh, having been an entrepreneur, having been a CEO of my own company uh, or companies, CEO of one other company uh, for a number of years, I learned through that process that uh, there are some things that cause companies to succeed, other companies to fail. And for the most, they just kind of bumble along. And so do the owners, or so do the CEOs of those companies. And a lot of it gets back to their well-being and how well they're doing as individuals. Because the company, in, in many cases, does as well as the owner or as well as the CEO. So that's why I wanted to study this work and change the world and affect as, uh, affect as many people as I can by starting at the top, starting with CEOs that are responsible for the people that work for them. Yeah, they say that the effectiveness or the a, a company is really a top down when it comes to their approach, their demeanor, and how they engage with their customers. So if you can get wellness at that top level, it should permeate the rest of the organization, shouldn't it? Well, you you um, you certainly would hope so. And you know, CEOs serve as a role model. Um, um, in, in, my, in my career as a CEO and working with other uh, business owners, you know, they complain and they lament that why don't employees know this or why can't they think for themselves or, or, or whatever the frustrations are. And in many cases, the CEOs find that they've got to fill in the gaps where, where their employees, parents, educators, previous employers haven't taught them. They haven't taught them how to live successful lives, how to be good employees, how to think, how to manage their money, how to read the manual, how to show up to work on time. And, um, and so the CEOs serve as the role model, not only for how to live and how to work at this company, but how to, how to succeed in life. So can you share a little bit of uh, what brought you to focus on the well-being of a CEO? How did you come to the conclusion that this was uh, so necessary. Um, great question. Thank you. Um, I read the other day that um, um, when you get when you get into the later stages of life, um, um, many people find themselves reverting to what they enjoy doing uh, 
uh, as a child. Um, and that doesn't mean that they, they find themselves back in, in, uh, in diapers and, uh, and drinking in sure all day, but it means that they get back to the, the very things that they were attracted to and that inspired them uh, early on in life. Now, I was a psych major, a psych and philosophy major in college. And, um, and then I went on uh, uh, to get an MBA because when you graduate with a, with a degree in psych and, and philosophy, you know how to think, but you don't know how to do anything. So, you know, you're essentially unemployable. And, uh, and when I think back to those days, I had a good friend, also a psych major, and we would sit in the Thomas Jefferson Library at the University of Missouri we're surrounded by all these academic journals and books. And we were reading way back in those days, self-development books, um, before self-development personal growth was really a thing. Maxwell Maltz, um, uh, Zig Ziglar, uh, Og Mandino, uh, people like that. And it was about achieving your highest self, doing better, making the most of yourself. I was fascinated by the work of Abraham Maslow at, the, at that time and his hierarchy of needs. And so I was, I was fascinated at, at, at an early age with what makes people, people tick and how can we do better? How can we make the most of ourselves? And then I, uh, uh, my career went on in banking and uh, as an entrepreneur. And I saw these companies, some that succeeded and some that didn't. And frankly, I saw myself with a company that was very successful and then one day it came crashing down all around me. And I came to realize that the reason that the company failed was because I failed. I didn't take care of myself. Now I was all about the business. I mean, my gosh, I was working 12, 18 hours a day, seven days a week. I lived one block away from the company. It was everything I did. It was my entire life. But the problem wasn't my passion for the business. The problem was I didn't take care of myself. And as a result, the person that I thought I was was not the person that I actually was. And my company failed. I let myself down. I let my employees down. I let my, I let my customers down. And, uh, and it, it occurred to me that I can't be the only one that that's happened to. And so I fell back on what my first love was, which was psychology and, and uh, becoming the best version of yourself. And I thought, you know what? I really should now refine this and develop this and apply this to make that debt the universe by working with CEOs because the wellness industry, and I know you have a background in that, the wellness industry has largely overlooked the business owner or the CEO. Um, we talk about wellness programs for employees. We talk about work-life balance and all of that, but we somehow think that CEOs are supermen or wonder women and they, Put on their cape uh, when no one's looking, but but they're as flawed and uh, in some cases more frightened and, and uh, more stressed out than other people. So I wanted to dedicate the rest of my life in this fourth and final chapter of my professional life to to uh, improving the fitness of CEOs so they can build remarkable companies and live extraordinary lives. Amazing. You mentioned my background in wellness 15 years ago, trying to convince organizations to invest in the wellness of their employees. We found the study that reported that $1 invested in employee wellness 
had a return of $3 with employee productivity as they had less sick days. What do you think is important about the well-being of a CEO and what that return on investment would be for the organization that they serve? Well, the, the, uh, the studies are still showing that. Um, there was a study by, uh, there was a study by the North, uh, uh, Northwest Ventures and they found that for every dollar invested in, um, uh, in employee well-being, that they got a 2.2 return on that investment. I think the most important thing is for the CEO to model that behavior. In order for these programs, whether it's uh, formal wellness programs or just a culture of wellness to work and to stick and to get employees engaged in the process, it has to come from the top down. And the CEO that models that behavior and lets people know that, you know what, it's okay. In fact, it's more than okay. It's encouraged for you to take care of yourself. That means you do go exercise. And yes, you can exercise during company time. You want to take a day off for your mental fitness? Fantastic. Do that. You want to work four-day weeks so you can have a three-day weekend every week? God bless you. I'm all about it. Um, when, when the employees see that the person leading their organization not only cares about them, but he or she cares about themselves, sends a different message. I want a CEO who practices, for example, the 7-7 rule. And that is that from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., there's no emails, there's no text messages, there's no phone calls. There's no text messages, phone calls, emails during the weekend. And so what employees understand is, hey, um, I don't have to do that. I don't have to, I don't have to check my phone at nine o'clock at night when I'm home with my family. Um, so we want a, we want a CEO that not only supports well-being, but models it. Yeah. So those are great examples of how a CEO can model the seven-seven rule. Uh, first time I've heard it called that, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, stepping out for some physical activity, you know, engaging a physical body during a workday is important. What are a couple other examples that CEOs can take action on to model wellness for their employees? Oh, I think, um, I think, um, you know, rep repetition is, uh, repetition is a good teaching tool. And I, I think to continually uh, reverberate that we have to take care of ourselves. Um, I remember long ago there was a there was a TV show called uh, in the U.S. called uh, NYPD, and uh, so each show would start out with this scene in the in the I don't know conference room or something, and all the officers were there before they went out on their various beats and patrols. And at the end of it, uh, as they were getting up to leave, he would say, "Hey, hey, 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 hey." Let's be careful out there on every show. And that's how he ended that, that, that pre-shift talk. And I think it's the CEO that says, hey, let's take care of ourselves, number one, and repeats it, you know, over and over. Um, just through the practices that, um, uh, that that person does on a daily basis. Um, they don't work long hours. Uh, they don't work weekends. They do take their time off. Now, this isn't, uh, I, I'm not suggesting that everyone 
have a strict diet and they work out five days a week with a personal trainer and they have three, uh, three massages a week, that sort of thing. What I'm suggesting is that the, is that the CEO sends a very clear message that if we don't take time for our wellness, we will have to make time for illness. You know, today, um, uh, Braden, we are, we are hopefully in the waning stages of, of the, uh, of the pandemic. We had the great depression. We had the great recession and now we have the great pandemic. And I'm hoping that this, that what this really becomes is the great reset where we begin to rethink what we're doing. Um, active employee disengagement is at an all time high. Some report it's as high as 70%. Um, just last month, 4% of the American workforce quit. They just quit their jobs. Um, and the other 50% are looking for a job. So the CEO that practices self-care can go a long way toward keeping those employees engaged and keeping them there. Deloitte, <clears throat> Deloitte just did a study that showed that uh, for those CEOs that take care of themselves, that practice actively and openly practice self-care, they see a 20% pickup in employee engagement. Now do the math, the, 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 the return on value or the return on investment for that is staggering. So I think just demonstrating and, and uh, communicating the message that you gotta take care of yourself in lots of ways encouraging people not to be on their phones all the time, helping people to understand that it's uh, that you got to get up and move. You know, with this pandemic, we're working from home. We have back-to-back -back Zoom calls. We don't even get outside. We no longer have that, whatever it is, 20, 30-minute commute between, uh, between work and home that allows us to de-stress. We get up, we check our phone, we walk to a desk or we walk to our kitchen table, we start working. So the, so the employer that says, hey, hey, let's be careful out there or be careful in there. We got we to gotta watch what we're doing. We got to take care of ourselves. That's the main thing. Absolutely. Yeah. This new world of work we're in right now, you, uh, you mentioned the numbers of people that are transitioning. They're calling it everything from the great resignation to the, or the mass resignation. Mm -hmm. um, but it is absolutely a reset. I think we're recalibrating to see what is actually important in our lives and where the priorities lie. And that is wellness in itself. I believe people are looking at how they're spending their days and making adjustments to live the life that they're more aligned towards. So they're moving into a direction of work that is more aligned with their own wellness. What would you advise people who are looking for their new work experience, mainly now working from home, how would you recommend incorporating wellness into their days? And what are your practices of wellness on your day-to-day? -day? Oh, what a great question. Um, um, I think one of the things it starts with is, is boundaries. Um, where does work begin and where does it end? I mentioned the seven, seven rule. So I think, um, um, having morning routines, um, getting movement early in the morning, getting divorced from our digital devices. 
we're on these cell phones um, uh, all day long. Uh, I don't have the statistics at the ready, but we've all heard those numbers of the, uh, uh, the statistics of the number of times that people check their cell phones during the day. We're on the cell phones all day long, um, and then we go home and we're watching TV, and we go to bed and we're watching TV, and we have our cell phones with us. We wake up in the morning, and the first thing we do is check for emails. Man, that's not healthy. So I think setting boundaries, uh, divorcing ourselves from uh, from digital uh, devices, making certain that we get movement in our day, um, not having back-to-back Zoom calls all day long. Um, uh, we've had meetings all of our lives, um, uh, and, and meetings have been debated. I think now it's so easy to have a meeting. You can set up a, a Zoom call. I think we have to start questioning, do I need to be on this meeting? Do I need to be here for the entire meeting? I have a guy that I work with. I get emails from him at 3 a.m. in the morning, and he works coast to coast. So I think his name is Jason, and I think he is, uh, I think Jason is on Zoom calls as much as 12 to 15 hours a day. Normally, we talk later in the afternoon. Do you really think you can be effective on a Zoom call at four in the afternoon when you've been on a Zoom call at four in the morning? Used to be that we'd go to a meeting on the fourth floor, the meeting would be over, we'd we'd go down to our desk or our office, we'd do this, do that, return a phone call, and then maybe go somewhere else. We were moving around. Now we're not moving, we're sitting there. And instead of glancing out the window, we're staring, like I'm staring at you right now and I'm staring at me over the screen. That's all changed. So we've got to understand that we're under different stressors uh, now than we've been before. So get up, move around, uh, again, set boundaries. Um, make certain that you're, you're looking at your energy. And we have all kinds of energy, physical energy. Uh, did I get enough sleep? Monitor your sleep. Gone are the, the days of the hard charging person that say, oh, I don't need sleep. I can get, I can get by on four hours or six hours. No, you can't. Now, you may be able to stay awake the other 20 hours, but I can guarantee you from personal experience, you're going to be making bad decisions. Make sure you get enough sleep. Make sure you're hydrated. Make sure you're getting supplementation, that you're eating the right foods, that you are seeking awe and wonder in the world. You know, the Japanese have a practice that there's a name for it, and I can't think of it, but it, but it essentially is uh, forest bathing. And it's not something we can actually do, but but you can increase your energy by running naked through the forest. So I don't want to become known as the uh, CEO coach that encourages his clients to run naked through the forest. But uh, the point is movement and getting out and getting sunshine and just doing the natural things that just simply make sense. Absolutely. You you mentioned the the transition away from the mentality of hustle and grind you know, put in the extra hours, no sleep for the successful. That mindset really seems to be shifting towards a a mindset of taking care of yourself so that you can be in the best position to provide the most value for the people that you serve. Because when you think of it in in the sense of a doctor, you don't want a surgeon coming in who hasn't had any sleep because they've been hustling and grinding and doing their work. You want somebody who's well-rested, well-prepared to provide the best support and service. Well, you know, they've actually done studies of judges and surgeons, and they find that right after lunch, if, if you're in court, right after lunch, chances are that you're going to get a, uh, that it's not going to go your way. 
because that judge is in a is in a food coma. They're in an energy low. The same thing with uh, surgeons. They find that the uh, that the amount of uh, uh, complications due to surgery right after lunch go up. So it's all about maintaining this uh, this energy. You know, there are some companies that actually put have have uh, nap rooms in their businesses. Um, I don't know if it's still there, but years ago there was an entire floor, uh, or maybe maybe it wasn't the entire floor. But it was a big space in the Empire State Building where they had these sleep pods, and uh, and 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 you reserve the time on your cell phone, and you would be in these sleep pods for twenty minutes only, and so you get in this thing, and you cover up with a blanket. It gently reclines, the lights gently dim, and you take a nap, and. At 17 minutes, it begins to vibrate. The lights begin to gently come on. It brings you out of the nap. The purpose isn't to go to sleep. The purpose is to take a scientifically engineered nap. And forward-looking companies are creating nap rooms. So go take a nap. Uh, don't have a heavy lunch. Have a light lunch. Uh, at 2 in the afternoon, take a nap. Go for a walk. Get some sunshine. Get a little protein in your body uh, with a snack, get some water. Man, you're good to go for another three, four hours. Monitor that energy. It really is energy in, energy out. That's what we're working on here, isn't it? When you drive your car, uh, um, Braden, you have this dashboard. It's got all kinds of lights and dials and buttons and knobs. What are the two things you pay attention to? Gas and the maintenance light. <laughs> Gas in the maintenance line. Very good. A lot of people pay attention to the speedometer as well. Because if you don't watch your gas and you don't watch your speedometer, bad things happen. But what do we do with our days? We have no idea where our gas tank is. We have no idea uh, how much fuel we have left in the tank. You know, you can't pour from an empty cup. And if you're a CEO, you can't lead your people from an empty cup. And your dashboard, you're right, you pay attention to the maintenance. If there's a light blinking on your dashboard, if the, if the check engine light comes on, you get a little nervous. But we don't have a check engine light. We have pain. Is, <laughs> yeah, maybe we make bad decisions. Maybe we fly off the handle with somebody when we, when we didn't mean to. We say something we wish we hadn't done. We make a decision uh, that we wish we hadn't, hadn't made. I'm, I'm constantly reminded of, of the quote uh, uh, from Warren Buffett, who says, if I don't want to read in tomorrow morning's newspaper, on the front page of tomorrow morning's newspaper, what I did last night, I don't do it. So, you know, monitoring that dashboard and our energy levels helps us to make better decisions and know what we're doing. So, Liam, tell me, this vision for CEO matters. Clearly, you have a, a background that really ties together the need to focus on the wellness of CEOs. And this is culminating in this show, CEO Matters. Tell me a little bit about your vision and your goal with this show. What do you hope the impact will be? Um, my passion and my... Uh... My deepest hope for the CEO Matters podcast is that this is a place where people that are responsible for organizations can come 
And there's two formats to it. One is the magazine edition and the other is the masterclass edition. The magazine edition is, is, is exactly that. Um, it's where you can go and get bite-sized pieces of information that will educate, inform, entertain. Um, there are wonderful podcasters out there. God bless Tim Ferriss. But Braden, I don't have two and a half hours to listen to a Tim Ferriss podcast. Uh, as good as he is, um, I don't. And some of the authors that, that write these 300, 400 page books, again, God bless them. Some of them start with a sentence um, and, and, and they balloon it with fluff and interviews and case histories uh, into a 400 page book. They don't have time. CEOs have companies to run, they have lives to live, they have spouses to look after and children to look after. They've got full lives. And my hope with the CEO Matters podcast is that you can come and you can get news you can use. And that came from really the seventh grade when I was in junior high. And they had a they had two libraries. They had the big library and they had this little one. And in the little library, they had a it was kind of like a newsstand, they had a magazine rack. And every Tuesday, U.S. News and World Report would come. And on my, uh, whatever they called it back then, uh, home class, or basically it was just a, a dead hour, I would go to this library and I would get U.S. News and World Report and I would turn to that yellow page that was news you could use. And it was just Kiplinger style. It was just one or two sentences about a various topic that they thought you could get some value out of. That's what the magazine is designed to do. Now, the Masterclass Edition is designed like this, to have an interview with someone. It's a CEO that's doing it right, or a CEO that's frankly did it wrong. Maybe it's an author that talks about sleep, or nutrition, or hydration, or exercise, or resilience, stress, mindfulness. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's this whole set of skills that equip the CEO again, to build remarkable companies and to, at the same time live extraordinary lives. In the process, they become role models that their employees and their customers and everyone they deal with, and they look at them and they say, they've got it together. I want to be like that. And that's the goal of CEO Matters, that you use this as a, as a high content, high ROI, quick source of information that allows you to do your job and uh, and uh, live your life better. And if there's any question as to your authority on the matter, I would just go back to the story you shared and your curiosity as a grade seven student led you to read the newspaper on your lunch breaks where you're picking out the news you can use and that information is taking you this far. You've got, You've got an incredible wealth of knowledge and experience and the heart to really care for what matters for CEOs. Well, thank you. You know, I'm, uh, I'm uh, writing an article right now on the ROI of um, CEO well-being. And um, there was a study that was uh, just done by uh, uh, Price Waterhouse Coopers. And they found that 59% of CEOs 
you know, they say, well, you know, what wakes you up at night? What, what wakes up 59% of CEOs is the fear of failure. The fear of failing in business, the fear of their company failing. And what qualifies me is not having a degree in wellness or um, um, 20 years experience as a healthcare practitioner, anything like that. No, it's the fact that my company crashed and burned, a company that I devoted 15 years of my life to, and I loved I loved it more than anything in my life. And it took me two years after that to realize that the reason that my company failed was because I failed, as I said earlier. I didn't take care of myself. And uh, what qualifies me to help other CEOs and other business owners not to lead their lives better because I am the guru. That's not it. You know, I'm not the Tony Robbins of how to run your company better. But what I am is one person that's made a lot of mistakes, and I've learned them from those mistakes. And what I'm doing now is I'm doing work through the podcast, through my coaching, through my writing, to send the kind of message that I wish I had gotten early on when I was running my company. Because if I'd gotten that, Braden, I'd still be running that company. And and it's the it's it's, it's the trial by power uh, trial by fire. You know, I was Icarus. I threw, I, I flew too close to the sun, and then the process melted down. And uh, burnout, epidemic levels, absolutely epidemic levels. And it's not so much that that somebody is uh, somebody is burned out, and they're done, washed up, or they've lost their company, as I did. But it's the levels of burnout. It's that it's that degradation, that slow burn to burnout, that you're not quite as on top of it. Your energy isn't as high as it used to be. Your enthusiasm isn't what it once was. Um, you lose the sparkle. And people, as we all know, people don't quit companies. They quit management. They want to, they want somebody they can lead. They want somebody they can lead and somebody they can, uh, not somebody they can lead, somebody they can follow. They want an example to follow. And what qualifies me is that for many years, I was someone to follow. And then for a number of years, I wasn't. And it, that burnout didn't show up overnight. It wasn't an acute kind of disease that set in. It was just something that settled in because I wasn't aware I was asleep. You know, it's about self-awareness. That's part of wellness as well. Where am I? How am I doing? Uh, am I solid? Uh, am I eating right? Am I getting enough rest? Um, do I know how to communicate? Am I listening? All those kinds of things. That self-awareness is such a huge piece. And to gain that clarity, it sounds like you're advising CEOs take time away from work in the evenings and mornings. They look at resetting themselves physically with exercise and the foods that they eat. And they focus on their mental health and well-being um, and then role modeling that to their staff. What other recommendations would you share from your experience to help CEOs focus on what matters? I think slowing down. You know, we get caught up in the day-to-day -day that, uh, you know, particularly today we've got, we've got supply chain issues, we've got the great resignation, we've got employees that perhaps don't want to come back to work. So there's a whole new set of challenges that we've never had before. Um, 
we have uh, 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 inclusion, we have diversity, we have multi-generations in the workforce, we have, we have all these stressors that we've never had before. And you can get on this hamster wheel, right? And you're just running and running and running and running. And uh, I, I like to tell the, uh, the silly story that I spoke to a hamster once and I said, <clears throat> are you aware of the fact that you're not getting anywhere? On that wheel, and the hamster says, "Yeah, I've been on this hamster wheel a long time. I'm pretty, pretty, pretty clear that, in fact, I'm not going anywhere." Well, why don't you get off? And the hamster kind of looks over at me and says, "Yeah, well, as soon as the wheel stops spinning, I will." And for CEOs and business owners, I think you've just got to get off that wheel, settle out, and say, "Okay, where am I? What's going on? Take your temperature." You know, it's that whole mindfulness thing. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that you that you get under. You know, sit on the floor and get cross-legged and, 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 and chant mantras. But I am saying maybe a little maybe a little mindfulness makes some sense. Focus on focus on your breathing. Just take stock. Say, okay, where are we? Let's focus on what's right in front of us right now. I can't solve everything. The product's not in the warehouse. Customers upset. Somebody didn't come in today, truck broke down on the highway, whatever it is. What do I need to deal with right now? And do the best we can and say, you know what? That's okay. And by the way, it's it's uh, six o'clock. I've got a family waiting for me at home, and so do all of you. It's time to turn out the lights, close the door behind us, and we'll pick this up again tomorrow. Hmm. Slowing down. That makes so much sense because the world has sped up and information is flying at us faster than it's ever before. And the tools and the technology is there for instant messaging, for instant uh, updates. And it's as if we believe we have to operate at that same speed that information does. But we can operate at that speed and maintain any sort of health or well being. So, taking that step back, and bring our best selves to the solution of those problems. Sounds like that's what really matters. Yeah, I think we've got to. Um, I, I think we've got to. Um, uh, I just listened to something this morning, a podcast this morning with Ariana Huffington. Um, Ariana Huffington really is the godmother of, uh, of of the wellness movement, and she said that she uh, she's Greek and. Uh, very close to her mother and she remembered a quote that her mother would always uh, say to her and that was don't miss the power of the moment and um we, we you know we all think of special moments in our lives you know the the moment that we uh, that we proposed or that we got the job or we got a we got a promotion or things that we witnessed special moments in our lives you know Braden, there are special moments every single day you know, they, you know, stop and smell the roses, that terrible cliche, but you know what? It's really not, it's really not so tired. We, we do have to stop and smell the roses. We do have to stop and say, what's going on right now? Um, you know, it's a matter of, um, of taking it all in, sitting down with someone. Have you ever, have you ever seen someone on the street? You haven't seen them in a while. You wave. You say, "Hey, Joe, how are you? Hey, hi, great, good to see you. Hey, let's have coffee. Yeah, give you a call. 
What do we both know? Neither one is ever going to call the other one. Why don't we just stop and say, Braden, hey, how are you doing? What's happening? Just take that moment and really, really go deep. Go deep with the other person. Be fully present. I'm here for you. I'm listening to what you're saying. Tell me, how are you doing? Uh, years ago, there was a book, a very popular pop psychology book that was called, I'm Okay, You're Okay. You know what, Braden? We live in a new era now where, you know what? It's okay to not be okay. How are you doing? You know what? I'm not doing okay. You know? What's the standard answer? Oh, yeah, great. Busy, busy. Oh, never better. Bull. Bull. I just say, I'm not doing so well today. Really? What's going on? My kid, you know, my, my kid got suspended from school. Or my wife says I don't listen to her. At least I think that's what she says. Now, I mean, I mean uh, in, in all seriousness, uh, um, let's not let things go by. Let's, uh, let's understand where we are and take each day as it, came, as it comes and focus on what's right in front of us. If we can do that, we're doing okay. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Well, I'm excited to see who you bring on this show. I'm excited to see the content that you share. Even just your analogies, they seem to hit the nail on the head with exactly the point you're making on how we can better take care of ourselves so that we can better serve and have better results for our organizations. Liam, I appreciate everything you're doing to bring wellness to the corporate world. And I'm excited to see how this evolves. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Braden. Thanks for the, the opportunity to draw some of my passions out and, and let our listeners know what we're all about. And um, I promise you listeners, we are we are going to bring CEO well-being front and center. Um, your well-being, your self-care, your wellness is no longer going to be ignored. I hope you'll subscribe to this podcast. And I, um, I promise I will not let you down. And together, we will make that dent in the universe by showing everyone around us that we are concerned about our well-being and we're concerned about their well-being. So tune in next time. And thank you very much. I, uh, I'm very grateful for the time you spend with me. And uh, please come back. Thank you, Braden. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Be well. Be well. Okay, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. I sincerely hope you enjoyed the conversation. Unfortunately, it's been one-sided. And that's no fun. You didn't get a chance to say a single word. So, if you'd like to continue the conversation, head on over to chrismer.com forward slash work with me. That's chrismer, C-H-R-I-S-M-E-R. Now there you can find more information. You can check out other episodes on the topics, subscribe, and most importantly, schedule a time for us to talk to have a conversation. That's chrismer.com forward slash work with me. Until then, remember, live and lead better.